Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. I don't know that it was the very first time that I ever earned money, but it's definitely the first time that I remember I was 12 years old, and my granddad was a cotton farmer. And my dad said, your granddad needs some help. And so I went to, out to my granddad's cotton farm, and I hoed cottons for, I hoed cotton, and I hoed weeds for an entire week in his cotton field. Now, that sounds really hard, but I have to have a full disclosure moment with you. I rode on a little buggy, and so I would hoe weeds and ride on this buggy, and my granddad said, I will pay you $2.50 an hour for you to hoe weeds. I was like, man, that is a lot of money. How, how much can I work? He said, well, you know, you can work 40 hours if you want. So I worked eight hours a day for five days, $2.50 an hour. At the end of a week, my granddad handed me one of these. Now, for those of you who are men, you've probably never seen this. This is a $100 bill. So if you've never seen one, ask your wife. She's probably holding one right now. And so you can, you can ask her. She might even let you look, but don't touch. So, so I got one of these, and 12 years old, I thought, this is so much money. How are you ever going to be able to spend all this money? I mean, it was crazy to me to have this amount of money. And I got it, and my dad showed me a few things about it. But I want to use that as an opening illustration today to ask you, how do you spend your money? Like, how does your money actually go through a whole cycle of you earning it and spending it? What do you do with your money biblically in order to make it a biblical principle? So today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that shows us exactly that what you're going to do and what you need to do with your money. Now, if you're a guest with us, if you're new, at this moment you have tensed up because you said to yourself, I knew he was going to talk about money. I knew he was, and he's probably going to come up here and show us, you know, like, oh, what, you're, you need a new car, you need a new hairpiece, what's wrong? That kind of thing. So that's not where we're going today. Let me show you the, the uh, perspective, what we're trying to do. I want to show you today, last, or, uh, last time we talked about how you think about money, but this time we're going to start making an argument and showing you how you actually grow money. How money starts for very little and it grows over time. I want to help you in that process, at least begin that today. So it's not about how much you give, it's about me helping you learn how to do money well today. So please, please don't, don't put up your defenses and not listen because God really, this uh, passage to me has been so rich and helpful. And so I want you to make sure as well as you're taking notes, leave room at the top. So we're going to draw a diagram and, and do it little by little. So leave room at the top of your notes today for that. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 and what's called the parable of the talents. Now I'm going to go back and forth to this multiple times. So keep your Bibles open. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. So I want to show you the very first uh, sentence. It says, for it. What is the it here? It's really important that you understand that it 
is the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching multiple times on the kingdom of God. So this is a story, a parable, a teaching story about the kingdom of God. This is a story using money to illustrate the kingdom of God. Money is spiritual. The way that you use money, earn money, and use it is spiritual in nature. And he's going to show us that today. So, so this has incredible ramifications for all areas of your life. But specifically, it's about money. So we're going to use that. And he also says something that kind of throws us. He says he gave them talents. So we think, okay, he gave them talents. So the one with one talent, he's like, you have a beautiful singing voice. The one with two talents, he said, you can run fast and jump high. And five talents, he told them whatever. That's not what a talent is. So we, we lose the illustration, or we lose the story some when we don't understand what a talent is. So let me show you what a talent is. This is a picture of a Roman soldier with all of his armor. So he carried a shield. He carried a spear. He carried a uh, breastplate, shoulder plates. He also carried different types, uh, or he had shoes, but they had different types of cleats on them. And then he also needed uh, a tent or something for the community and his food. So while this is what we often think of as a Roman soldier, when he had all of this armor out and ready for battle, that's not what they did most of the time. It's not like they're fighting all day, every day. Most, most of the time, they're transporting from one place to another. So most of the time, this is what a Roman soldier looked like. He had all of his uh, armor, all of his things packed up in a way that he could carry it. This is a talent. A talent is the amount of weight that the entirety of his supplies was. It was approximately 75 pounds. So his shield, his spears, his armor, the, thing, the sleeping that he would need, the tent that he would need, the food that he would need, all of that together was an amount of weight, which was a talent. And so he carried one talent of weight. Now, these guys would carry 75 pounds of weight slung this way, and they would go 20 to 25 miles a day. Can you imagine how in shape they had to have been? So that's what a talent is. A talent is an amount of weight, a measure of weight. So when God says this rich man gives people his possessions, his money, five talents, two talents, and one talent, he's talking about an amount of weight that would have been in either silver or gold. This is an amount of money. This is not a beautiful other talent. This is an amount of money. So if it was silver, it would be about $25,000 in today's terms. Uh, silver would be about $25,000 uh, for one talent. And then gold, if it was gold, would be over a million even for one talent. So it's an incredible amount of money either way that he has entrusted to these people. So he gives five, two, and one be, uh, depending on their ability. So the first idea that we need to understand about money is this. We need to know our money. You need to know how much money you have. You need to know if you are given five talents, two talents, or one talent. They knew what their starting place was clearly. Now, I know this is, seems very relative. You're like, well, I make this amount of money. But do you really know your money? Do you know how much is coming in? Do you have that portion and know how it's coming in regularly? So if you don't, and, and it's, it's important for you to know that. So let me give you two uh, questions that you can ask to help you. The first question is this, how much has God entrusted to you? Now, look at the, the way I wrote it. When I first wrote this, I wrote, how much has God given to you? 
that's the way we talk. You know, like, this is my house, this is my money, this. That's not what the verse says. These are his possessions that he entrusted to them. They're going to actually give them back at the end. So he's entrusting them for a season. They aren't given to them. It still says he gave them five talents of his possessions, the rich man's possessions. In other words, these aren't mine. These are entrusted to me for a season, for my life. But at the end of my life, I will give them back. So he has entrusted those. So how much has been entrusted to you? So if you get paid regularly, it's fairly easy to figure out. You just look at a pay stub. This is my gross. This is my net. This is how much I get. If you get paid irregularly, it's a little bit harder. You know, you're up and down with sales, those type of things. That's the way my wife is. And so, so you have to budget, but you need to know the amount of money that is coming in for this starting point to know how much you have. The second thing you have to know is this question. How much have you indentured yourself to others? This is your debt. Because the amount of money that's coming in, some of it, if you are in debt, is already spoken for. It's technically, I mean, it's going, coming in, but it's going straight out to someone else. You've already given that money away. Now, not all debt is bad, so, so, so don't hear me say that. Now, there is, but there is definitely degrees of debt. I mean, if you have consumer debt because you overspend on frivolous things, that's not near as helpful as debt for, say, a college degree or debt for something that might appreciate and value like a house. That's a little bit uh, easier to understand. But all of your debt that you have is money that is given that you've already given to someone else. And so that money isn't going to come in anymore. You've got to pay back your debts. So if you don't know how much money is coming in and you don't know the amount of debts, you're never going to be, you're going to find yourself stuck in this part of the story because you don't know what it is that you're going to use in order to complete the cycle that you're given. You've got to know how much you've been given. Now, we're going to help you with this. I'm going to teach, uh, Josh talked about, we're going to do a focus night next uh, Sunday night. I'm going to tell you in the sermon some of the things that I'm going to teach you. But one of them is, I'm going to help you. I'll give you, I'll give you my spreadsheet uh, blank that'll help you just begin to plug in numbers for how much you owe. This is how much we owe on our house or our car or our medical bills or our furniture, whatever it is, so that you know how much you're indentured. The next week, we're actually going to start a financial peace university class so that if you want to learn all of this cycle in much more depth than we'll go into in here. We want to help you with that. But this is the starting point. You've got to know what you have coming in. It's the only way to be successful. Now, let me show you. Um, um, stop. I'm not going to show you anything else. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. So instead of just praying at the, at the end, I want us to pray uh, from the sermon. I often pray, or almost exclusively, I pray from Scripture. So I want us to pray right now. Stop. And let's pray. I'm about to bow your heads, and let's just pray. How much has God given you? And just thank God. He has given you. Don't say, well, I earned it. He gave you the opportunity. He gave you the ability. Even if you are earning money, He has given you those things. Thank God for it. And then begin to think through in your mind how, you, how money comes into you. And praise Him for that. The Bible says He gave it according to their ability. Ask God for the ability to handle more money. This, actually, this, this parable is going to teach us today how to do that.
Now, you might not know exact numbers, but how much have you indentured yourself to others? How much debt do you have? Some of you know you have some pretty foolish debt. I've been there. But starting to at least acknowledge, God, I've, I've not been a good steward. I'm spending frivolously. I'm spending future money yesterday. God, thank you for all that you have given us and help us to go into the future with the amount that you have given us faithfully. Amen. So what do these two, uh, three men do with the amount of money they have? Verse 16. So the end of verse 15 says immediately. It's a, it's a bad placement, but then it says immediately the man who received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So they know their money, and then the second thing they do is they, the, the two faithful men, they show their money what to do. They show it, and it goes to work. They say, you go to work. They put their money to work. They show it what to do. We've got to learn how to show our money what we want it to do. And there are different amounts given to all of them. I get it. We all want to be five-talent people. We, in fact, you're, if you're a two-talent person, you think to yourself, if I could just be a five-talent person, all, everything would be over, you know, so much better. Well, a couple of things. First of all, we're Americans. We probably all are at least two or three talent people. But also, if you want to have more talents, the Bible's going to show us in the end that, that we are faithful with this, and then he will give us more. But here's how to know why you have the amount of money that you have. It's a really easy question. What would you do if I gave you $100,000 right now? What would you do? It's a fun question to answer, but if you don't have a good answer, then you're not a two-talent or a five-talent person. If you don't know how to use that money to grow it, to make more money, that's exactly why these people are commended. If you just spend it, or you don't know, or even if you want to grow it, you don't know how, then you need to learn financial education. That's why we're teaching these classes. That's why we're helping you in these ways. You need to know how to grow money. You need to know how to use it well. If you have no idea, if you don't have a plan to do, then you're like the one talent person in this. Now that's okay, but let's not stay there. Let's get educated and let's learn how to actually grow money. I mean, you might invest it. You might start a business. You might do a lot of different things in order to grow it. But if you have no idea what to do, these men found themselves, God just said, or the man, the rich man just said, here's your amount of money. Immediately, the two that are faithful, they went and put it to work. They knew what to do. And the God knew that. He said they had ability. If you don't have ability, if you don't know what to do, that's okay. But let's start and let's learn. Let's get a better financial education so that we can grow that money. Now, our lives are a little bit different than this story, so I have to make a caveat here. So you've got to know your money, you've got to show your money what to do, but you've got to also live on the amount of money you make. That's not really addressed in this story, and the reason is, is because these people would have uh, lived in the home of a rich man, so they would have had their, their home or their, their lodging paid for and their food paid for by him. 
where we have to do those things. So when you get money in, you have to live on that amount of money, which is not really addressed in the story. I'll show you how to do that in the, the coming weeks, but I just want to make sure that you understood that that's, that's a budget. That's what that is. Also, if you come on March 26th, I'll give you uh, my budget minus the numbers so that you can start plugging in uh, some numbers and start figuring out a budget if you don't have one. So you know what money's coming in, you show it where to go, and you live on it. Now, I want to tell you, when we live, there are some lies that we tell ourselves that really get us in trouble in how we live. Every one of these lies I'm about to show you, someone has said to me, most of them, multiple people have said to me. So here's where the American way gets us in a lot of trouble. Let me show you a few lies. Here's a first lie. Everyone has a blank payment. Everyone has a car payment. Everyone has a house, but everyone has, you know, furniture payment. Everyone has college debt. Everyone, like, that's just the way it is. I remember a couple telling me this one time, well, we'll always have a car payment. Everyone has a car payment. Well, we didn't. Now, we drove used cars for a long time. Let me, I mean, like a long, long, like we drove cars so long they helped our prayer life. And you, you know, like the kind of car you're like, oh, please, Jesus, please, you know, like that kind of, you're like, it is a spiritual car, right? And you, you know? And so, and that couple that said that, guess what? They drove much nicer cars than us, much nicer, because they were always having car payments. You don't have to have a car payment. Listen, I'm going to tell you a secret. You don't have to have a house payment either. You can actually have a paid off house. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in payments forever. A couple of other things. These are some of the lies that we tell ourselves to justify our buying things. I'm buying this blank because it's blank. So I made some car examples here. I'm buying this car because it's safe. This is a safe car, and I'm safety conscious. You know, maybe in the 1950s, you know, you used to hear the bigger car always wins, you know, so you get like this tank car you buy your kid. You know, let's be honest, that might have been true in the 1950s, but cars are so amazing. Now, you get a little smart car. I'm talking about one of those kind of cars where you get outside of it and you go, zoom, 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 and you jump in, that kind of car, that car is safe. Man, it is way safer than a 1950s Suburban. It is unbelievably safe, but we tell ourselves that. We tell ourselves, well, we're buying this because it's reliable. It's a reliable car. We have lived, um, we have uh, always dr driven used cars for a long, long time, my wife and I, a long time, and never once have we been stuck on the side of the road. Never one single time. Now, because we didn't have a car payment, what would happen is it would start making a clicky noise, and I would have to go into the, you know, I, have, I always have a, a trustworthy mechanic because I'm like, it's making a thing. And, you know, like, you got to tell me what it is and how much it costs. So you, I got to have a trustworthy mechanic because he could tell me anything. I'd be like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, and so. But we've never been on the side of the road, not one single time. It's not about reliability. And it's also fuel efficient. This is my favorite. You know, like we're buying this $30,000 car so we can get one mile an hour more miles per gallon. You, you know, that's not true. It's not true. Listen, if you want to drive a car, if you want to drive a Ferrari, and just, but just don't say it's because of these things. Just go, I think it's awesome. 
I love it. All right, it is awesome. I always wanted a Ferrari. Now I got a Ferrari. Don't, but don't, you know, or a Tesla. Don't look. It's because you like it. It's because you want it. That's okay. That's so. But when you lie to yourself and you say things to justify those, you're not being true and honest. And because of that, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. So it's a lie that we tell ourselves. Next one. We need more room. This is the lie that we tell ourselves to upgrade in our homes all the time. We need more room. Really? Do you want more room? Do you want your kids to stop fighting all the time? Maybe that's it. Do you want two bathrooms because you're afraid at some point you're going to have to clean the blood off the floor? I get that, but say that. Don't say we need more room. We actually had a couple in our home one time that said number two and number three at the same time. They said, we had a junky old car, so we had to trade it in. And their car that they traded in was nicer than our car. And they said, we had this tiny little house, and they had to, we had to trade in. We needed more room. They had two kids. We had two kids. And the house that they traded in was bigger than our house. It was a lie. It was a lie. And years later, they had major financial problems. Don't lie to yourself. Just don't lie to yourself. It's okay to want more room. It's okay to want a bigger car. It's not okay to lie to yourself. Next one, I deserve it even if I can't afford it. This is almost certainly the lie that people who shop as a spectator sport or as a participant sport say. You know, people that like, you know, you get the Amazon, you know, uh, person of the month because you've ordered so much that you know that you know the UPS guy by first name basis you know that kind of thing look it's fine to get stuff it's not okay to to get that kind of jolt of 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 endorphins every time you order something or every time you buy something because you deserve it you know if you can afford it or if you can't next we'll save later there's plenty of time the younger you are in this room right now, the more you need this sermon. If you're sitting here and you're in high school and you're like, eh, I don't need this sermon, you need it most of all. Because all of us, you talk to the bald-headed people in the room and the gray-headed people in the room, and they wish they could go back and do it right the first time where you have the opportunity right now. And it goes quickly, trust us. It was just yesterday that we had hair or had non-gray hair. It was crazy quick. I mean, my, my kids, I mean, it was 20 years of, of raising children, two decades, and it was over like that. And so if you always look to this future time versus just right now, you're always, always, always going to be looking towards a future time. Do it now. We'll save later. Last one. I'll always be in debt. I'll always be in debt. Even if you have massive debt. Even if you have debilitating debt, even if it's consumer debt, credit card debt, you can be debt-free. You truly can be debt-free and be free from that. And that's going to take a while, and the Bible's going to show us that. But you can be debt-free. In fact, I pray the Lord's Prayer every uh, Wednesday. I spend an extended time in prayer. Part of the Lord's Prayer is forgive us our debts. Now, that's talking about sin specifically towards God. But it says the word debts, and it means debts. So I pray every Wednesday, God, help my family to be debt-free. I've been doing that for uh, a couple of years now, maybe, maybe longer. And God is really working, and we are on our way to being completely debt-free, including our house. And it's fantastic. And God has really shown up. God can 
truly work a miracle in your finances. These are lies. So let me show you back this, this diagram again. No show lift. Here's the deal. Here's where most of us find ourselves in this sermon needing it today. You need to have a knowledge of what's coming in. You need to have a, a structured plan of showing your money where to go and how to live on that amount of money. Now, all of us, it's happening, but it's happened by little stages along the way versus a cohesive plan based on right now that changes, the plan changes every time the finance changes or something in, in the formula changes where you have a cohesive plan. See, you make decisions individually and then you end up with all of them at once. So some of you, you know, you made the decision, guys, you get, a, you get a raise or a promotion or you get a big bonus and you go home to your wife and you say, I've always wanted a, a fishing boat, so I'm going to use, you know, a bunch of this money as a down payment on a fishing boat. And the wife's like, okay, but what about the payments in, in the live? And he goes, don't worry about it. Because it's a fishing boat, our expenses will go down because I will be providing food for the family, right? <laughs> so that makes perfect sense, doesn't it, fellas? You know, same goes with uh, hunting rifles, that type of thing. So you're like... So our family will eat cheaper. And then you look up three or four months go by and what happens? Your wife comes to you. She's lost 25 pounds because she hasn't eaten. And she goes, look, we're going to need to sell the boat. And the reason is you're a horrible fisherman. All right, we're starving to death. And so, But you make these decisions individually versus all together. You've got to know everything that's happening and understand how all of that is working together. So that you have a true structured plan based on now, not based on this decision or, or dealing with that, but based on now. And if you do, it enables you to complete the rest of the cycle. And if you don't, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You have money going in and money going out, but you don't understand how to use it effectively in the kingdom of God. So again, I want us to stop and I want us to pray right now. And I want you to just think to yourself, God, here's the money I have. God, show me how to live according to your principles. God, show me how to spend. We sang a second ago, I'll make room for you. God, just, just show me how to open up my finances to you. I want you to be right in the center. If, you're, if, you're, if you have no idea how much is going in, and you know kind of how it's going out, but frankly, you have um, auto pay, so it just kind of comes in and goes out, and you really don't know how to capture this, you really don't know what the system is, then just tell God. Look, God, I've not, I've not been a good steward, and I, I didn't do it um, willingly, but I just woke up one day. I have no idea where my money is, where it's going, or, or really control of it. It just feels like this unwieldy beast. And God, I want to know. I want to be on top of it for your glory. This is the kingdom of God. This money is the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, let's look at the next part about what the two uh, faithful men do in verse 19. It says, After a long time, the master of these sermons came and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. So the five, the, he doubles his money, 100%, and he gives it all back. Same thing with the two-talent person. But let's look at what the one-talent person does in verse 24. 
The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping what you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See what you have, what is yours. So he had one talent and he gave it back to him. But what does his master respond? Verse 26, his master replied to him, you are an evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gathered where I uh, scattered, then you would have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I'd returned. So the two faithful men know their money, they show their money, and they grow their money. They grow their money. They double their money and give it back. The unfaithful man does not grow his money. The difference in the two is not that one of them kept all of it or used all of it. That would be an American illustration. The difference in the two is that the two faithful people grew their money, and the one unfaithful person did not grow their money. They didn't know what to do with it. So we've got to learn how to grow money. You've got to learn how to grow money if you're going to find yourself on the faithful side in this illustration. Now, again, I'm going to give you, uh, in March 26th, next Sunday night, one of the things I'm going to give you is, is when you are investing. Most of us, uh, if you have any kind of uh, stock investing, whether that be through your company or you do it yourself, I'm going to give you a standard by which to measure. I'm going to give you a way to say, okay, are you growing your money effectively? And I'm going to give you like an actual standard. Because what I think is some of you, you say, well, I know, I, yeah, like we're living well. And you say, well, so therefore this sermon is not for me. Actually, I'm going to show you exactly how to do this part well and make sure that you're growing your money effectively. So I'm going to help you with that. It'll take a while to unpack, but it's, it's, it's pretty easy. And if you'll actually come with your investments, I won't look at them, but you'll be able to look at your investments right then and go, oh, I'm doing great. Or, oh, we need some help. And I'll show you how some things at least to think about. I'm not a stock person, so you do whatever you want. Go ahead, invest in a monkey farm in Guatemala. I don't care. But if you want to know if the monkey farm is doing well or not, here's how to do it. So that's what I'm going to show you how to do, okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal with all of us, and this is super important for Americans. We are upwardly mobile. We make more money. But if you're ever going to do, be able to live on less and grow some, you're going to have to decide on an upper end spending limit. I don't like this verbiage. I've worked, I worked so much with that. But you're going to have to basically decide, I'm not going to keep making more and spending that amount. There's going to be a moment where I just say, enough. This is good enough. So if you're very new, if you're young and you're living in an apartment, you got an old car, I get it. You want to own a house. You want to have a car. You want to uh, not have hand-me-down furniture. I get that. That's fine. But for a lot of us, there ought to come a moment where you say, you know what? This is it. This is it. Even when we make more, this is it. And even in this amount, I have lived on less than I made so I can grow some of my money. I'm not living on 100%. But even if I make more, this is all I'm going to live on from here on out. You've got to decide that or else you're always going to be more and more and more. And it's amazing how you want more, isn't it? It's amazing how you want more. I mean, Mel's driving her dream car right now. It's wonderful. But both of us caught ourselves the other day. 
And we saw a car. It was exactly the type of car that she has. It's an SUV, same size, same seating configuration. She drives a white one. This was a white one. The only difference was uh, hers was, uh, you know, a nice model, but this was like a luxury model. And we were both like, oh, that's nice. I mean, yeah, you know, like you can't help. It was exactly the same car. I mean, exactly the same car. I bet you... I, Everything but the price was different. I mean, but we caught ourselves at a moment. We're like, well, let's just look at that. Let's not go up in that because it's not like it came with a chauffeur. I mean, yeah, you know, like it's just, it, but you've got to decide, okay, this is enough. This is enough. This is all we're going to spend. And so you've got to decide that if you don't, you'll live off everything that you make and you'll never have money for investing or money for growing. And you've got to decide, okay, I'm going to always live on less so I can grow some, but there's going to come a point where this is as much as, as we're going to spend, and we're going to invest and grow the rest of that money. You've got to make that decision for yourself. And in order to do that, when you read the Bible, you ought to ask yourself these questions, who, what, when, where, why, how? Ask yourself those questions. Think about the when question here. There are two answers to the when, the time question here that are super important. The, the man who invested the five talents and the man who invested one talent that says immediately they went and invested. They went and they grew their money immediately. They knew what to do and they were off to the races. And then it says after a long time. They invested, but they did not invest for the short, short term. They invested for the long term. The Bible warns us very, very often about get-rich-quick schemes. Some of you are going to hear this sermon, and you're going to be tempted to go out and make some rash decisions that you really don't understand to get rich quick, and it's almost assuredly going to fail. It's almost assuredly going to fail. You need to know what to do and get after it right away, but you need to invest for the long term. It says, after a long time, he came back. So yes, they grew their money, they doubled their money, but they took a long time to do it. And that's the way that we ought, ought to invest as well. And then it says about that, to complete the circle, once they grew their money, what did they do with it? They gave their money back. They gave their money back. All of it belonged to God. All of it belonged to God. So this, this is the, uh, the way I wrote it. The purpose of money is to fund the kingdom. The purpose of money is to fund the kingdom. Now, you're part of the kingdom. So the par part of the purpose of your money is to buy you food at H-E-B or Walmart. That's okay, all right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that it's all to be given to the church. You are a part of the kingdom. So, so your clothes are a part of the kingdom. Your children and how you raise them, your money and what you do. Vacations, it's all a part of the kingdom. But you've got to learn to give that money into the kingdom and give it back because something amazing happens when you learn to give it back. When you don't live off everything that you make, when you give it back, look at verse 28 through 30. The master says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has, uh, has will be taken from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if you learn how to grow your money and you give it back into the kingdom, Jesus says, I'll give you more. And I'll give you more. And I'll give you more. Now, this principle applies to everything. God gave us, if you are married, a spouse. 
And we are to nurture and grow our spouse into their godly potential. And then we are to give them back so that they're useful in the kingdom of God. Now, the illustration breaks down here. I'm not saying then he'll give you two spouses. All right, that's not what I'm saying, all right? <laughs> okay, that's heresy. All right, we're not doing that. But, but he's giving you back now this better spouse that you have loved and nurtured. He gave you children and then you send them into the kingdom of God. You don't raise children, you train in children. So that they go off and you give them into the kingdom of God. He gives you money and you give it back. And then he puts you in charge of more and more and more. It is cyclical in nature here on earth, but especially in eternity. In eternity, my favorite, one of my favorite verses, this is part of my life statement in verse 21. Instead of you are a wicked, lazy servant, in verse 21, he says to the man who earned five and one talent, he said, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's joy. You need to live your life. You need to do your money specifically so that Jesus says to you, well done, well done. You spin it well, you grew it well, you grew it and gave it back well. Now come share in your master's joy. So today, I want to ask you, real simple. If Jesus came back right now, which one are you? Would you hear, based on the way that you do money, well done, you've been good and faithful, or would you hear, you wicked, lazy servant? What's the difference? The well done knew how to grow their money and gave it back to the kingdom. And the wicked, lazy servant did not. And what I find fascinating, somebody just mentioned this and I never thought about it in the text, is the wicked, lazy servant blamed God. He said, it's your fault I knew that you wanted more than you got, so I was afraid of you. Well, don't you think the other people were understood that if they invested, maybe they would lose some of their money? But they understood the grace of God. They understood, I am doing this for the kingdom of God, and I am doing this for his glory. And therefore, he's, they're praised for stepping out in faith. The wicked, lazy servant blamed God. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, this is the reason. I started out behind. Nobody taught me this stuff. I didn't know this stuff. And you're sitting there blazing God. You're like the wicked, lazy servant. You need to repent. You need to back up and say, God, you have given me so much and I've just not learned how to do it. Please forgive me and help me to repent. Help me to do differently today. Some of us, we think we do really good with money, but when it comes to that last part, to giving it back into the kingdom, that's where we say, nope, I know how to grow money. And even if I'm living on way less than I make, you're not fulfilling what God shows you within this, this whole circle of knowing it, showing it, growing it, and giving it back, laying it back at God's feet. Those are the people who he says, well done. When it comes to your finance, live a well-done life. Let's pray. Right where you are today, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself in this sermon? Which servant would you be? 
Let's get back on track. You really and truly have enough time to completely turn this thing around. If you'll just acknowledge where you are right now. If you'll just acknowledge, I'm, I'm like the one talent guy. I'm not really doing that for the kingdom. If you need to acknowledge that, be honest and open with God. If you say, you know what, I've not quite turned the corner because I know how to grow money and pretty good with money. We're not spending as much as we make like most people are. But I don't invest it into the kingdom. It 100% stays right here. You are part of the kingdom and that is part of your investment. But if that's all that it is, God, help us to be faithful. We want to live a life that hears, well done. You've given us so much. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.